Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. And I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That prayer, uh, one of the Fatima prayers given by the angel, is... um, relevant at all times, but particularly in light of today's gospel. In today's gospel, which is from Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is speaking about forgiveness. Peter comes up to him and says, how many times do I have to uh, forgive my brother? Seven times, Lord? I'm sure Peter was thinking he was being very magnanimous with his big number seven. Oh, Jesus says no. 70 times 7. And then he gives this little parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the reckoning, one was brought to him who owed him. Now, our gospel (laughs) uh, translation that we have in the church is not very good. It, It just says he owed him a lot of money. That's a pathetic translation. Uh, sometimes it angers me that we the translations the church uses. Uh, he owed him a huge amount. Well, that doesn't really hit home the way it should when you hear the original text. It says he owed him 10,000 talents. He could not pay, and his the Lord ordered him to be sold, and so on and so forth. And it says... Uh, then that the Lord, the, serve, the king forgives him. He uh, removes the debt from him, and uh, he's free of the debt, a debt he couldn't repay. 10,000 talents. Now, then this servant comes upon another servant who owed him 100 denarii. Uh, 100 denarii, very tiny amount of money. I'll get to that in a minute. So the point of this is, Uh, The one who was forgiven really should have forgiven the one who owed him money, but he didn't. And uh, the other servants tell the master, and the master uh, gets a hold of the first servant and says, I forgave all your debt, but you had no mercy on your fellow servant. So he was thrown over to the jailers until he could pay his debt. And there is no way to repay that debt, and therefore he is – he's – you can compare this to going to hell, to Gehenna. And the story is even deeper than that. So Jesus is making very clear there is no limit to giving and forgiving, uh, uh, giving and receiving forgiveness. When he tells this story, uh, this amount of money is a big deal because 10,000 talents would be equal to about 150,000 years or 200,000 years of labor. Now, the average Joe lives to be about 80 years old, so 200,000 years of labor would be 100% impossible to repay. That's the point the Jews would have uh, 
heard in this message. This was an impossible debt to repay. The uh, denarii, the small debt, was not so much money. You know, that could have been repaid pretty easily. So uh, the big debt, impossible to repay. The small debt, very easy to repay. And yet the bigger debtor doesn't forgive the smaller debtor. And that's where he gets in trouble. But the bigger issue here is that no offense our neighbor can do to us can compare with our own personal debt to God for offending him. You see, when we offend God with our sins, it's such a transgression because God is so good, so perfect, so awesome that the slightest infraction is a horror before all of heaven. And it, we can never make amends for the sins we do on our own. See, see, there, there, that's where the impossible comes in. It is impossible for us to have our sins forgiven on our own because we're just not good enough to present anything to the Lord that could possibly repay the debt of that sin. This is where Jesus comes in. So the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. A divine person can uh, make amends to another divine person. So the son can make amends to the father, but he had to put on our flesh to do it. So he took all of our flesh and by his offering on the cross, our debt is forgiven. So this is something most people do not fathom or understand. The enormity of what Jesus did. He did something that nobody could ever do but him. And that's why the gratitude towards him has to be at the same level of the uh, the event that he did in offering himself to the Father. But yet, few people have that sort of gratitude. There's a great ingratitude against the Lord. Thus, the Fatima prayer, you know, I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. That's the majority. Most people do not believe, do not adore, do not hope in God, and do not love him. Not the way he should be loved. When you look out across the world, I mean, even among Catholics, you know, if you really believe and love and adore God, you would come to Mass every Sunday. You would probably come to Mass every day if you could. And yet, probably 70% of Catholics do not go to Mass regularly. Well, how can you say you love him and then you ignore him? You can't. So there it is. That's just Catholics. Then you look at the rest of the population. Uh, the largest growing segment of people, if you want to call it a religion, are the nuns. N-O-N-E-S. I don't believe in anything. Uh, they're not exactly atheists because they, they're, they're agnostic. They say there might be a God, but I really don't care. Well, what an insult that is. What an insult that is to God. I gave you everything. I created you out of my love in my heart. I, I placed uh, my own image and likeness upon you. And then my son comes down and dies for you. And you say you don't care if I exist. Wow. There's a great hand of justice that's coming for the world. Because the door of mercy is going to close at some point. We know that. It's not only is it scriptural, but it's 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 uh, in many private revelations, including Saint Faustina's Divine Mercy, among so many others. I mean, it's one of the most basic 
premises we could understand. You know, when we offend God on a grand scale by turning away from him and turning to other things, idols, God will allow it for a time and then he will give us over to those things. And they're demons. And the demons will drag us down into the mud and life will be difficult. And then we will say, oh Lord, we're sorry and we repent. And then he will sweep us up in his arms and take us back. But in the process, many people could be lost. That's the danger. You know, you don't want to wait for the hand of justice to come before you come back to God. You want to come back today. Today is the right day to come back. So that's the premise of this gospel today. Uh, and the Jews would have got that from that 10,000 talents being plugged in there um, because they would know there's no way to do that. It's an impossible thing. And then when you tie that to Jesus's offering on the cross, there's no way we could do that. That was an impossible thing that only he could do. But he did it nonetheless. Christ gave himself to redeem us from all iniquity. That's from Titus uh, 2, uh, verse 14. And iniquity describes the futile ways of all the wrong thinking, our sinful attitudes, our wrong behaviors, our disregarding God's commandments, our treating uh, God as an equal, or even thinking we are God. That's, that's predominantly becoming a thing of the day as well. When we think we can pick our own gender, we're saying, I'm God. When we think we can t uh, determine when life should begin and end, we're saying we are God, because that's a God thing. Only God can do that. Uh, so imagine the offenses that are going up to heaven. And uh, I would say, you know, it's, it's a daily thing. And then when you compound that with the anger and the rage that is in America right now because of what's happening to our country... Uh, I would say much of our anger is righteous anger because we should be angry when we see the destruction of your motherland. That's what we're witnessing. The destruction of America at the hands of people who seem to be the most ignorant or diabolical, one or the other, or possibly a combination of the both. But when everything is, is falling apart and you're doubling down and going deeper into the hole... And then the attacks on liberty and just an outright dispensation of the law that we're not going to follow the law anymore. People should be outraged. But what do you do with your outrage? You have to channel it into prayer, into a practical application of voting out the people we don't want running the country, <coughs> excuse me, or um, if it comes to it, you know, uh, we're not going to surrender our principles without a fight. And it seems like that's where this is heading. And so I would say, gird your loins. The days are upon us. Things are going to get difficult. So if you're not in a very solid relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to have a difficult time. Because as I've said before, uh, if you don't have a relationship with God, it's like being in a rowboat on the ocean during a hurricane. You're going to get beaten all over the place, tossed up and down and uh, just left for nothing. When you have a deep relationship with Jesus, it's like being in a submarine 200 feet under the, the waves. The storm's still raging, but you're protected in this bubble of peace. 
you know, and sometimes he can just stop the storm altogether, as he did for the apostles. But you got to be in relationship. So today, every day, pray that rosary. That rosary has special protection that Our Lady gives to her children who pray the rosary daily. Uh, and, you know, partake of the sacraments as often as possible. Our Lady recommends confession monthly. Uh, I would say if you're not doing that, you're shortchanging yourself on grace. So these are the things she's asking of us. These are the things we must do and, uh, and, and make reparation. You know, we just had first Friday, first Saturday, making reparation to the sacred heart on first Friday and the immaculate heart on first Saturday. Why? Because of all this, you know, Jesus wept twice in the gospels and it wasn't at the passion it wasn't at the Passion when he was experiencing the most pain, the most abandonment, the most humiliation. No, he didn't weep for himself. He wept at the death of Lazarus. And he wept when he was looking over Jerusalem, over the holy city. Because he knew so many people were going to reject him. But... What about today? Well, of course, he could see into the future. Maybe that's what he was weeping. Maybe he was weeping over us, over the people of 2022. I don't know. It wouldn't be a long shot to think that. Uh, you know, when you think about settled doctrine of the church is now up for review and even ridiculed at the highest levels of the church. Yeah, Jesus is weeping. Then we have all these fake Catholic politicians that are at odds with the most basic teachings of the church. The most, uh, the you, the source and summit of the church would be the Eucharist, you know, and and proper reception of the Eucharist, um, and life being a basic tenet of the Catholic uh, belief. Life is why Jesus came. I came that you may have life and have it to the fullest. And yet these fake Catholic politicians, they trample all over life promoting abortion, and then they receive Holy Communion, eating and drinking unto their own condemnation while clerics sit on their hands. Oh yes, Jesus is weeping. And then again, as, as I mentioned prior, two-thirds of Catholics either deny or ignorant of the fundamental and paramount doctrine about the Holy Eucharist being truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That would cause some weeping. And then there's the uh, the celebration of the sacred liturgy during this cancel culture that suddenly uh, the extraordinary form of the mass has been suppressed in many places. Jesus is weeping. You have to remember, this is the way most of the saints of the church celebrated mass. That's now pretty much gone. And uh, if they have their way, it won't come back. Vocations to the priesthood are down to a trickle in most dioceses, and uh, vocations to religious orders among women are nearly non-existent, except for a few very devout orders. Jesus continues to weep. The contraception among Catholics and other Christians, you know, behaving just like pagans, Jesus is weeping. Then we have the rise of atheism and agnostics, more weeping. The culture of death 
is uh, raging now. We stepped on the devil's tail with Roe v. Wade being removed, and now they're raging against pro-life people. You know, we just had that wonderful woman, Kathleen Wilson, on uh, a few days back. Uh, she has a, a, a crisis pregnancy center where she helps women. Up to three years, she helps them, gives them shelter, food, housing. And there's people who want to uh, shut those places down. Why would you want to shut down places that help women and babies? What kind of a monster are you? You know, Jesus is weeping. Uh, children are now the pawns of a godless school system. And they're, they're being groomed to be future victims of this gender manipulation. Sexploitation, the, the critical race theory, all of this. Jesus weeps. Now, you hear all this and you see it. You, it very easy. You could, you could succumb to despair. But don't. Don't. The devil will win if you do that. What we need to do is go back to what's the most important things. Prayer, relationship with Jesus, the sacraments, loving relationships among your the people in your life. That's it. That's it. Sacrificial love and uh, deep personal relationships. That's what we do. We can only bring peace into our own heart, and then from our own heart, it spreads out to the people around us. That's the only way we can do it. So uh, that's the mission at hand. That's what we have to do. And back to the gospel today, this is all about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a very misunderstood concept these days. And probably for many ages. Uh, forgiveness is not a feeling. Many people think it's a feeling. I don't feel ready to forgive. No, forgiveness is a decision of your will to set people free. It's the uh, removal of justice and the embracing of mercy towards another. So justice is giving somebody what they deserve, either good or bad. So if somebody punches me in the face, they deserve to be punched in their face. That's just the law of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? But Jesus came to say, that's, that's no longer the way. My way is to forgive those who've hurt you. And he did that, by example, throughout his whole life, and then uh, finally, in the culmination of forgiveness, on the cross. When he was at his most painful moment, the most physical pain, the most emotional pain, watching his mother suffer, watching him die, the most spiritual pain, because as he's taking all the sins of, of the world, past, present, and future, onto himself, the... Uh, feeling of the presence of his father diminished and then finally left altogether. His father didn't leave him, but the feeling, the feeling of the presence of the father was, why have you abandoned me? He's, he's no longer feeling the presence of his father because he's just taken all this sin onto himself. And in that moment, what does he do? He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He forgave, even though he was in the worst pain of his life. So that's what we're called to do. When somebody hurts you, you you don't have to like what happened. That's, that, that's not what I'm saying at all. But you can say, Lord, I'm very angry about what was done to me. And despite that anger, I'm 
choosing to forgive this person and I ask you to forgive them too and then bless them with the graces they need to become the saint you made them to be. That's a simple, easy prayer you can pray every time you have a bad feeling about a memory of somebody hurting you. If you have a bad feeling attached to the memory, it means you're not healed yet. It means you have an open wound and that is a source of suffering for you, but also a potential source for demons to enter into you. Did you know that? Yes, our open wounds can be a source where demons can enter. Unforgiveness can be a source where demons can attack. So you don't want to leave those wounds open and you don't want to have unforgiveness. So this this is a very interesting thing, the, how God provides grace among the most unlikely of places. So the person who's been harmed, uh, they every time they have that memory that causes them pain, they say that prayer, Lord, forgive them as I've forgiven them and give them graces to become the son or daughter you made them to be. Amen. Uh, that's it. And then you just keep doing that. And it might take a week, it could take a month, it could take a year, depending on how deep the wound is. But eventually that wound will be healed. And then you'll have the memory with no bad feelings attached to it. It'll be like uh, the memory is about somebody else, not about you. And you have, you have absolutely no bad feelings. That means you've been healed. And that means the other person has now gotten all the grace they need to be healed as well. And this can work for dead people too. You know, the dead people, prayers outside of time. So God can take prayers from any point in time and apply them at a specific moment in time, even going backwards. He's God, he can do it. Not a big deal for him. If you remember the story of uh, Bishop uh, William Emanuel Kettler, who was the Bishop of Mainz, Germany, I believe in the 1800s, um, he had a nun praying for him his whole life. And he had a conversion experience uh, where he, he was contemplating his fame and fortune as a, a big shot lawyer and then has an image of the Sacred Heart, Jesus as the Sacred Heart, with this nun kneeling before him, interceding and praying. And Jesus said, she prays for you unceasingly. And then this, this man, William, had an immediate conversion and went off to seminary, became a priest, a very good priest, became a bishop, a very good bishop, and eventually he meets the nun. He, he sees her and he discovers that she prays for just one person every day whom she does not know and she offers all of her sufferings to the Sacred Heart of Jesus for that one soul and it was him. Now she didn't know it, but he, she just knew it was one person. And the day she was born was the day he had his conversion. So God took all the graces of her whole life and she applied them in that moment of her birth to this man that he would have this conversion, then become a priest and a good bishop. He can take grace and apply it forward or backward or whichever way he wants. And that's good news for us. Thank God he's not bound by human limitations. So today, if there's anybody you're holding on to any unforgiveness towards, it's time to set the record straight with God and, and forgive that person because we can't compare what Jesus did for us to any fault that's been done to us. The, the, the sins against God are so much worse than any sin or horror done to you. doesn't matter what it is. It can never amount to the, the enormity of the sin and the, the egregious way the sin is before God 
who is all perfect and wonderful and deserves only gratitude and love. And I'm not trying to diminish the pain you have. It's real, but you, you must understand uh, God knows your pain. He's ready to heal you. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be healthy uh, and living in freedom. And freedom means we're not bound under the bondage of unforgiveness. So go into a little prayer time today and ask the Holy Spirit if there's anybody you haven't forgiven that you need to in your heart. And this will help advance you in holiness and will place peace within your soul. Wouldn't that be a great gift to have? All right, great to be with you. I'll be back tomorrow morning, Friday. And uh, may Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This is Father Dan, signing out.